It's the setup. I'm Chris Grace. I'm John Accardo. And uh, just imagine that you just heard uh, some crazy Spanish music. You don't have to Guitar- imagine it because oh. I have it. Oh, hold on. My phone, my YouTube won't load. You don't have to imagine. There it is. Listen to this perfectly licensed music. The setup. <laughs> the setup. Uh, it's Wednesday, February 13th, 2019. Uh, the day before Valentine's Day. The day before Valentine's my Day. Husband or the did... day after Valentine's Day if you're in Australia. Almost. Uh, uh, my husband is in Australia and it's Valentine's Day already. So Your first Valentine's Day is newlyweds. Uh, technically. No, that's right. No, you got your things were new. That's right. We because got you got... Yeah. That's right. You lied at your wedding. Um, no, we didn't. We said a year and two days. What? It was in the Oliver Vowels we talked about. Oh, was it? Yeah. Okay. Um, the uh, I, I have sent flowers there. That's sweet. But I have They're no not gonna idea. Get there. <laughs> no, no. Uh, I mailed them. <laughs> I mailed them. No, Smell I mail. contacted a fl- florist in Adelaide, but I'm not sure how. They're actually in tech rehearsal all day. <laughs> so, and the window of delivery is exactly the same window as their tech rehearsal. So I don't know if they're going to just leave the flowers at the doorstep or not. Right. I when uh, I dated a girl who was living in Singapore, and I sent her flowers for valentine's day and i had to like covertly ask for her exact address uh-huh, like yeah. a week in advance yeah and i remember that the way the like addresses work there it was very not oh, like very, same with australia yeah i'm sure same with any foreign country so all of the different slots and the like the florists were like asking for specific information oh right it was hard to tell what was what like she gave me one line of address yeah and i was like i don't know where to break these off but uh, I think they got there. Yeah, like uh, the postcode for uh, where Eric is staying is Adelaide Five Thousand, which sounds like a sounds f- like a science fiction fake, movie. Like Adelaide, 5, as if 000. my zip code in Los Angeles was LA One Thousand. You know, uh, but they're staying right in the center of town. Also, um, I had this image of Adelaide just being like, "Well, I hope they have delivery, or whatever." And then I looked it up, and it's like they have one point three million people in Adelaide, right. so it's not a small town. Like, uh, I hope they have internet over there. Yeah. They probably have better than we do. Right. Um, so it, we're back pretty quick with another episode. Yes. We, um, we were late last week. But and we're so back on schedule. We're back on, on Shedge. A lot of, uh, never say that again, a lot of <laughs> amazing things have Welcome happened. Welcome to the shut up. <laughs> oh, yeah. Amazing magic things happened this week. Uh, you uh, Was it your second time hosting Magic Bar? It was my, uh, yes, it was my third time actually i did it um once with mad tad once with harrison lamper it's my first time like doing it officially though no safety net no bench raider he was gone being houdini in ragtime at the pasadena playhouse uh-huh. and i like filled in for him i only made a few mistakes which was good oh i, bro- I didn't even notice them uh well there wouldn't have been anything you would have noticed i broke a glass in between shows oh. out of the dishwasher oh and i'm pretty sure that I made two Moscow mules in the seven o'clock show. I'm pretty sure that I made them wrong. Uh, yeah. Uh, too much alcohol, alcohol, not enough. Um, what I did was I was, I keep trying to stall thinking of a funny mistake, but I can't think of one. Uh, like I peed in it. Was I not supposed to do that? Yeah. Uh, I, um, uh, you're supposed to put in half an ounce of simple syrup, and I'm uh-huh. pretty sure I put half an ounce of ginger syrup in both of them. So oh, those are very I they, were, they might have been delightful. Well, they are. I mean, they have like a lot of uh, ginger beer in them already. I so uh, very gingery mules, but no one said anything to me. Yeah. And uh, well, there you go. But um, I got to be there with one of my best friends in the world and magic buddies. Your Rob- dad. My dad. He was there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Robert Ramirez. He was headlining, and so he and I, I think, have a very good rapport. Yeah, and... um, um 
I didn't see you make any mistakes. Uh, somebody made a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> what sucked about that is it looked like I had made the mistake. <laughs> oh yes, because you guys started with like a duo. Right, thing. we did a like a sort of a dueling just a little missing. Actually, I thought it was very um, genial. Like you guys just it wasn't that big a deal, and audience didn't really care. Yeah, and I mean, like I said, we immediately started riffing about it, and it was yeah, fine. it was like kind of just a fun, casual way to start. Right, and there was enough strong magic in the rest of the show that I thought. Yeah. Um yeah. The uh um I was actually we we talked about the math trick that you did yes, recently. That's right. I did that again last night. Uh, uh I did not do it for the nine o'clock for obvious reasons. Um what was the obvious reason? The obvious reasons is I f- was I didn't really think about until I started doing that trick what a logistical nightmare it would be uh, getting yes. those four people up. Yes. I guess my question was could you have done it with four people at the bar just facing you? Potentially. Yeah. I could have. Um this is Danny Diorti's Math Magic. Yes. Uh, which I looked up last night. Yeah. Did you, have um, you, did you see him do it? Uh, yeah, I saw him do it. And I saw... So it's so Danny Diorti's. Yeah. It's um, uh, also watching the trick uh, a couple times. I've seen you do it twice and I saw the video of him doing it. It's interesting. Mine is better. Yes. Thank yes. you. I was, <laughs> that is what I was going to say. I was say. waiting for you to say it. <laughs> uh, it's interesting watching, having a sense of... Like that, there, there's that Paul Wilson C4 thing that Shin Lim was doing, which is a similar, very similar base concept. Yeah. But Danny Duartiz hides it better in a way that I kind of knew what it was, but even watching, I've seen it three times and I was like, when is it actually happening? Um, and what I realized was that, um, it coincidentally today, a podcast episode came out where I was interviewed by Taylor. Uh, Don't I keep you. Fucking dare on a separate podcast, podcast uh, Taylor Hughes. Uh, this is like bragging about the time you cheated on me. <laughs> yeah, um, and in that one, Taylor said that he doesn't like to have any dishonest like statements in his show. Okay, like when he says like you know this is a this is a real deck. It's been shuffled. Yeah, you know, there's no gimmicks or whatever that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And while watching Danny Ortiz, I realized he doesn't care as much about that. Um, there's a lot of points where he's like. You know, this is real magic. No, where he's like, I am your lord and savior. Uh, here, why don't you take like six or seven cards? Oh, yeah, yeah. And that changes, like, because when I was trying to figure out how that trick was done, I was taking all his statements at face value, right? And being like, okay, well, that can't be that because he just said that this person is eight and this person is nine, right? Which are very effective things, I think. yeah. I think that's very interesting, and I think that's a um. An interesting way to take a kind of like self-working trick and kind of gussy it up in a very mm-hmm. Danny Diorti's way. Right. Um, but yeah, it's, it is it is funny the, all three times that I've seen it to see the audience kind of start rolling along with it. Right. Um, and it, in fact, I was even like looking in the wrong places. Like I was like... Um, how did it, oh yeah, but how did it look last night? Uh, you saw it. Oh, it looked good. But But like even last night I was like... Hmm, I wonder why they can't sign their own cards or whatever. And like, oh, they could. Yeah, I mean, it turns out they have nothing to do with it. Yeah. But it's so sort of fooling that I'm just kind of like, it must be something about that or something. Like, you know, because a lot of times when you watch tricks, whenever there's something like that where it's like, they're not signing it, you're making a mark on it. If you're trying to figure out the way something works, right. a lot of times you're like, like oh, that's a peculiar thing that must be connected to it somehow. Right. Um, but yeah, you did that. Uh, the show was really good. It was a really fun show. Yeah. It was a very fun show. Yeah. Um, 
the uh, so, yeah Robert and I've been waiting for that for months. We were very excited about it. Yeah, so a couple things that I saw that you couldn't have seen during your blindfold trick. One I told you about before we started. There, and then I have a story about that as well. But go oh, ahead. okay. So there was handling um, your one of your tricks. Uh, involves- anyone that doesn't know, I'll just explain what that trick is. Yeah. Uh, to the three people listening and yeah. the one of them that hasn't seen this trick. It's like forty people. Listening. Hey, that's yeah. cool. Uh, welcome, um, bots. <laughs> um, Russian bots. Uh, uh, go Bernie Sanders. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, um, the trick is that I, is I put on a blindfold, and then I have three people cut off a pa- pile of cards, memorize the card at the bottom, and then through different reveals or different ways of rev- revealing, I find all three cards. And it's a really strong effect. I'm, I, I'm really happy with it, and I think it gets a very strong reaction. Yeah, I, b- I believe I mentioned – maybe I'm, I can't remember if I said this on the podcast, but that's the trick that I know how it's done, and the, the method kind of fades from my mind. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, what's great about it, and I think this is what generally makes for very strong magic in general, is that all three of the cards are actually found by me through different methods. Right. So it's really hard to track because – One of the, them is just bullying the audience. And I go, please tell me. Please. <laughs> I really need this. My dad's here. I got Please. I got two of them, but this third one is really hard. Yeah. So I think that is one of the reasons why that method is so, so clever is because all three of the cards are found through very different means. Yeah. So if you kind of maybe think you kind of understand how one of them works, that might be discredited because when you see the other two, they're, they're very, very, very different. Yeah. So they kind of work in concert to like they debunk, really, debunk each other. They really do. And I think, again... When I say this, no credit to me. It is out of a it is out of a book, which the name of which I cannot remember at the it's, moment. Uh, Simon Aronson uh, is the book. No, it's uh, Alan Ackerman. Oh, Alan Ackerman. But who? Again, we talked about this last time. Someone wrote a letter to it's him. Still that a was two like, syllable and three syllable name of uh, an American guy. But yeah, it's in an Alan Ackerman. I, I book. will find it and I will maybe reveal it. Nah, maybe I won't. Go go do the work. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know. You can we'll see. Uh, but yeah, uh, do you, do you find that often when um, you tell someone like it's in this book? That most of the time people are just like, eh, it's too hard. I'm not going to look it up. I don't know. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I, I never really follow through. I don't call them a week later and be like, so uh, did you find it? Or, <laughs> <laughs> did you take my advice? But so and uh, anyway, tell your story about that. And then I guess I'll tell Oh, mine. it's just that the, that, the, that the audience is handling the cards at a certain point. Right. So And you uh, have a blindfold on. Pretty hands off. Yeah. So um, there is. And I am authentically, I'm blindfolding myself. Oh, and also the last time I was at Magic Bar, there was an incident where the handling of the cards, right. uh, they the cards like slipped out of the guy's hands. Yes, uh, and then yesterday, the the second person went to take cards off of the deck and like knocked the cards askew in Ooh. a way that made me go like, Whoa. oh boy, um, I'm so glad I did not know that. Yeah, it, actually, there's, I, yeah. there's no way you would have seen that. No. And then a funny thing happened was... Right, and this is what I was about to say. Oh, go ahead. And this is... I was afraid to... I always generally err on the side of caution and to be a little more conservative when it comes to making jokes of any kind of offensive <laughs> yeah, nature. I had a good joke for this moment. Right. And oh, yeah, so what it was is that there's a second person. I basically... There's five people in a line, and I got the third, first, and fifth person. I always try to space it out a little bit. So I kinda, I'm, I'm sort of doing this trick across most of the bar. And... Like I said, I cannot see what's happening. So the second reveal I do is with the third person all the way at the end, and I'm very far away. Yesterday, I did not realize how far away I was from this person as we were doing the trick. And what I do is every time I reveal their card, I then reach forward, I take the cards, and then I reach forward and I shake their hand. Yeah. 
And I kind of put my hand out, and they sort of find my hand, and, and we shake hands. And so this time, I didn't realize how far away it was. So I, I uh, announced the card. I was correct. I reached forward to take them, not realizing how far away I was. Uh-huh. And the third person who was supposed to be handing me these cards is this was this tiny woman. Uh, the second person who picked a card, and he was facilitating this, was this big, burly man. Yeah. So he facilitated. He reached forward. He grabbed her cards and then passed them over to me without me realizing this. So I just feel cards go into my hand. Then I immediately reached forward a hand, and he shook my hand. <laughs> yes. When I was expecting this tiny woman's hand. Yeah. And I could tell it wasn't her. It got a laugh, and I'm like, okay, well, it's definitely not her. Yeah. And so I was about to make a joke about like, oh, you have much, you know, burlier hands now, or like kind of a joke about how like monstrous these hands were, because like he's a really big buff dude. Yeah. But I was. There was a, and I was pretty sure it was this guy because I said, who else's hands could this be? However, I didn't know where I was, and the person sitting next to her was also a, you know, a somewhat petite woman. And right. I'm like, if it was, if I'm closer than I think I am, and if it was that second woman who passed me the cards, I this would be incredibly insulting if that were her. <laughs> right. And so I'm like, I'm just not going to comment on the manliness yeah. of these hands that yeah. I'm shaking. Yeah, if you said, like, Jennifer, do you work at the docks or something? <laughs> or, like, the other thing I thought was, like, I I might have a recommendation to you for a manicurist. <laughs> but those are easy for me to say because I was seeing exactly what was happening. Right. If it was... Yeah, if you said like, "Boy, your hands are rough," and the second lady was just like, "Hey," and it was right, and it was like, it was like an Asian woman that was kind of between their sizes. Yes, and so I'm like, if that was her, this would be very insulting. If I'm like, "Look at these big old fat hands," <laughs> gross. Yeah, and then if you riffed on it for like several minutes, right, right. <laughs> fat <laughs> hands, fat hands, yeah. just that me pointing and yeah. laughing. Uh, although, also one thing that you might, it's probably better that you didn't. Say anything is like if you were too quick with a quip in that moment, it might be a little bit like, wait, can he see what's happening or not? Right. You I know? think, yeah, and I uh, that is a good point. In fact, what I do is, uh, I have been told that even though I am legitimately blindfold, I've gotten note a couple of times that I'm still too comfortable with my surroundings. Like, yes. because if you close, and the problem is, if you close your eyes, if you have a deck of cards in front of you right now and you're to set it down, or any object, phone, keys, or something. You have object memory. Right, like, exactly. So if you close your eyes, it's pretty easy to find where that is and pick it up again in a very comfortable way. Like, if you're in a car right now listening to the podcast, yeah, close your eyes. Close your eyes. And then just remember where that right turn is. And just wait until you feel bumps under the, and that, that means you're changing lanes. Right. <laughs> That's exactly what that means. And you should have put a signal on. Right. Um, I, yes, in fact, I have told you previously that I think you do a little too much searching for well, the cards. Well, it's tough now because I I legitimately can't see and even to make sure I can't peek or anything, I close my eyes as I'm doing this routine and I've gotten the note like, ah, you're too comfortable. It looks like you know exactly what you're doing. I go, okay, but I really don't. My eyes are closed. Like Whether but, that's true or not, it looks like it. Also, but you, then I guess you've, you've said that I've overcorrected. But your advice, like a blind but you're person. getting advice from a much more experienced person than me. That, like, I, it's, I think part of it is also the way you, sometimes it, your hand seems like I know. you're an old man all of a sudden. <laughs> like, a, like a blind man that's just <laughs> never felt before. Yeah. Like just got hands. Yeah. Um, but I don't think it really... I don't think it matters one way or the other, right. honestly. So actually, what it was nice about that, the, yeah, how funny that moment was, and Robert and I talked about this after the fact, before the next show, is that I do think that that perhaps created a stronger moment. It, I think that felt like a very authentic moment. It didn't feel canned. Well, also, it felt it was stronger because you're 
your last phase of that was given to you by the audience. Yes. So that, I mean, which I think does happen to you sometimes, right? Um, it happened to me once before, very authentically. Now I kind of force it, and that's why I pause for so long because I'm waiting for someone to say it. Oh, interesting. And you're secretly whispering, like, please say please this. Say, please say this. <laughs> and then I'll go, say all of them. What? What? Did someone say that? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I recently showed you a video where yes, someone yes, needed I something. I'm reminded of the same video. <laughs> right. <laughs> someone needed something called out for the audience as a suggestion for what they were going to do. And it's a thing no one would ever it's say. It's a thing no one would ever say. And they very obviously did not say it from the audience. And they're like, Everybody, what was that? Uh, everyone, shout out your favorite uh, type of food. Ethiopian. <laughs> Well, it happens to be that I have a trick, you know. Right. Um, another thing that happened uh, this week, magic-wise, was yesterday, because uh, Magic Bar is, is it technically in Encino? Yes. But it feels like it's in Sherman Oaks. It must be just at the border. There's I, like a... I don't know. Yeah, a, I think you go further down Ventura and it's in, in Sherman Oaks. So since I was going that direction, I went to the Magic Apple for the first time, mm-hmm. which I'd never Sponsor been to. Sponsor of the podcast. Uh, yeah. Uh, well... I bought a fun trick there called right. the winner's die, which uh, I do think is fun. Where did my little mug go? I don't oh, know. here it is. So you guys can hear it. This is a, a die uh, that you roll into a mug like this. End of trick. Hey. Well, it's more utility than anything it's else. A, it's a one in six chance of getting a number, and that's kind of the magic. The magic is the statistics. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what this is is uh, if you need a random number between one and six, you just roll this, and it gives you one. Try this die. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, that is sort of what it is now at the <laughs> moment, because uh, as I was showing it to John before the podcast, the gimmick broke. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, and by the way, I will say that I, it, it warns you when you open it to that it's delicate. However, I will say that what you did was not... It was not... You saw me break it, and it wasn't like I was being too reckless with it. In fact, in fact, you were demonstrating what it tells you to do exactly. Yeah, and I would say that... Um, so, it's a cool thing. It, it's pretty reliable. Um, it's but, I mean, I, not do we even expensive. describe what it actually is, or would we just do bits? The winner's die, it, like, forces a number off of a die. So yeah. Somebody not, else can roll a die into a cup, and it will... Uh, give whatever number you want yes to. also what's cool is you can demonstrate that it's a normal die right so they, they can roll it a bunch of times and be like any random number comes up mm-hmm. um and then you can when you want force a certain number you could it also has a feature where you can change what number gets forced right uh would you consider 40 dollars a lot for something like that probably okay well that's what i paid um uh especially because now i have to order something else right it de- i mean it depends it's it's i i try to not spend too much money on like gimmicks and stuff yeah. i think I've, de- I've definitely went through that phase where if I, I'd get really impressed by a video and I would spend 60 bucks yeah. and was just super disappointed with what I got. There's a couple things I still have and I'm like, this is terrible. I actually think that the 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 most difficult like uh, to re- replicate part of this pr- product is pretty impressive. Like, oh, um, I, that was not a statement about this yeah. trick necessarily. It just that's why I anytime anytime there's like a gimmick sort of trick where it's like. You know, it comes with yes, a gimmick, you've and, been it's, and it's burned. money. Yeah, I, I'm a. It's a lot of money. I'm yeah, afraid. As of, previously discussed on this podcast, yes, I, uh, when you were 15, you were burned. Well, let me let me tell the story again. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it was a rainy Sunday. <laughs> it's a, it's always on a Sunday, right? The lectures are always on Sunday. Occasionally Saturdays. Yeah. Um, so yes. it's a pretty. Uh, I I am more like, I'm so genuinely curious how some of this stuff works that I'll just buy it to like. I, I think I told you I almost went to buy another one and cut it open and see what right. it what's actually happening. Um, 
Yeah, it's an interesting thing when you watch the instructional video for the winner's die. It actually does not really reveal how it works, which right. is interesting. <laughs> um, that's kind of unusual for things that I've bought. A lot of them are like, I, I've seen a lot of things that are like, uh, you know, here's exactly how it works. And also, um, you know, if this happens, here's a way to repair it. Mm-hmm. Um, because I would say that like having only handled it for a total of like 15 minutes and having one of the pieces break isn't the most encouraging thing for like, use this for your walk around magic, you right. know, because that's sort of what they sell it as is um, uh, its ability to reset. Uh, relatively quickly is what they is one of the things that they tout as being like oh right. you go from one space and so that like if you did it at a party and did it five times then they the all the people couldn't be like oh it was a five every time right right whatever because i believe there are much cheaper forcing dies that are like that are just one number sure um in fact they had one at magic apple i should have bought that one too just to compare right uh anyway i went to the magic apple Magic Apple, great shop. Have you been there a bunch of times? Many, many, many a time. Um, yeah, it was cool. People there are cool. It's a good shop. A lot of great, great selection of like books and some illusions. Some illusions that you can yeah. rent. Have you ever been there before? No, that was my first oh, time. Okay. Yeah, uh, I will say that uh, it was not as um, it was more. <laughs> I was surprisingly more of a strip mall experience than I thought it would be. Um, I thought it would be more like I, I'm spoiled by going to the Magic Castle a bunch of times, so mm-hmm. I thought that the Magic Apple would have a similar like uh, I don't know mystique to it or something. You know, I just went to and I haven't been in like seven eight years. Tannen's Magic in New York when uh-huh. I was there a few weeks ago to visit a friend who worked there, and that was all style and like mystique. Oh, there yeah, you go. it was like really dark and uh, it was pretty cool. Um, but also because they do a show there every week, uh, oh. Noah, Noah Levine. Is that the Monday Night Magic show? No, Monday Night Magic is in a theater. This is like Noah Levine every Wednesday, I think, or every like Tuesday and Wednesday oh. has a uh, show in the shop, and oh. he's like pulling things out of drawers and stuff. And I've never gotten to be in New York on a Wednesday because I really want to see it. I hear it's great. I think Noah Levine oh. is super clever. He actually just translated a book by one of my favorite magicians named uh, Luis Piedrahita, oh. a book called Coins and Other Fables, which I have, and it's great. Oh, by the way, watching the uh, so anyway, Magic Apple is fun. I'm sure I'll be there a lot. Um, weirdly, in the same strip center as where I have been to cryotherapy like twice. Oh, cool. Which I had been to like last what year. What is cryotherapy? Cryotherapy is weird. The like, Walt Disney thing where you it's, uh, freeze yourself? Yeah. This head that I have currently is my third head. Cool. I've been twice and frozen the other two. Uh, cryotherapy is where if you are like, this is more when I was playing rugby a lot. Uh, it helps you be less sore the next day. Mm. Basically, you go and you get really like cold air it goes down to like 10 degrees or before or after you play rugby after okay. or after exercise of any kind. So I'd be, it's funny. I, I pulled that strip. I was like, Oh, I've been here. I could have gone to magic apple 12 months ago. Right. Uh, and not, you know, I, I guess, I don't know. It was, I didn't think there's a lot more LA strip mall experiences like that. Uh, which you're probably just used to having grown up here. Right. Um, yeah, and inevitably I bought this Winner's Die. I bought some decks of cards. Cool. I bought, uh, I think it's called Beyond Imagination. Ooh. By, what is that? What's his name? Gilbreth? Norman Gilbreth? Yes. It is his, uh, it's a full long book about his principle and ways to apply it. Oh, neat. And uh, it was funny. The guy that sold me the book was like, this book's got a lot of good stuff. This guy is really boring. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> but, uh, but like, um, I think, the principle itself is interesting enough that like right but the it is a very is very very interesting and really I will, clever 
I will say it's a very dry book and it, I haven't read it yet, but it has a proof of the Gilbreth principle, like a mathematical proof of like oh. what, how, how and why it works. That's neat. So it's a very serious book about the, um, the thing. Uh, yeah. And then I went to see your show, which was super fun. Yeah. Um, and that's all that happened to me magic wise this week. Cool. Um, yeah. All right. Well, we'll see you next week. See you next week. <laughs> um, the, uh, uh, this is a good tip that you gave me that I should look on Wish. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm holding things. some very authentic looking silver coins uh, that I got off of Wish for like two bucks. How long do they take to get here? Uh, like three and a half weeks, four okay. weeks. Very, like, very under the table. Like, they'll be there when they're there in a well, month and Wish, a half. Well, Wish, in case you don't know, Wish, I think, is like a front end for a lot of, like, Chinese gray markets. Yeah. So um, you can order stuff off, of, like, AliExpress. Mm-hmm which is a similar thing. In fact, I recently heard that you could buy like one meter by two meter canvas prints wow. for like $20. Oh, wow. Uh, but they also take like 40 days to arrive. Yeah, that's um, about right. So I think Wish is not a bad name for that service because it's like just, you know, right. hope that you get these one day. You get super cheap stuff. Yeah. That is decent quality. I mean, those are great. Yeah. What, do you remember what they're actually called? They're called, I mean, I don't even know if this is actually, they say they're all Liberty silver dollars from 1804. They're very fake, but they look good and they sound yeah, good. It and it doesn't really matter. Uh, but um, what's your preferred size for coin magic? Probably half dollars. Uh-huh. It depends on what I'm doing, but there are certain things that are done with dollar coins, mm-hmm. uh, but half dollars are pretty good. Uh and a quarter is too small, generally. Yeah, a quarter is generally too small. Uh, it's also tough because, I mean, even in pretty close-up settings, quarters are often too small for people to really see. Yeah. Uh, uh, if you're, unless you're in, like, the close-up gallery. Paul V. Hill does magic with quarters in the close-up gallery, or at least he did last time he was there. Huh. And uh, he did a really good coins across with quarters, and it was really cool. I, I think the idea there is that they're so familiar and so that, that you you kind of drop an element of like, oh, look at these fancy coins. Maybe those are gimmicked. Yeah. And quarters are so familiar and so um, yeah, similar understood. To our, yeah, similar to our decks of cards discussion last week. Right. Uh, that's funny. I thought he was a mentalist primarily. I don't know why I thought that. Yeah, I mean, he does a lot of... Me- he has a pretty varied uh, pretty varied cat- you know, a catalog of magic. Uh-huh. But I've seen him do the close-up gallery, and it's great. He's a really, really strong magician. Everything he does just kind of feels like magic it hmm. feels i don't know it's hard to describe he's gonna be in the close gallery in a few weeks we should go oh cool but uh oh he might be in the parlor i think never mind um Sorry. i meant to remind myself to do this i need you to tell me the something that i can do uh with cards like this is what i've noticed a lot of magicians when they're just hanging around have like a deck of cards in their hand yeah and they're just like doing something with them right <laughs> Uh, what I mean by that is, uh, when I was watching the Danny D'Ortiz thing, he was being interviewed, and he was just kind of doing like this kind of thing or whatever, one-handed. Mm-hmm. So I was wondering if there's something you know that I can just do that would help, instead of just like randomly just cutting things, which doesn't really... Yeah, I'm always practicing slights anytime yeah. I'm holding a deck of cards. I'm not just like... So what's one that you practice that I can start doing? Uh, just... That was the Tamarez, usually the, right now it's the Tamarez, uh perpendicular control. Oh, yeah, so it's like it's. Uh, I mean, I'll describe it in more depth off camera, off camera, off mic. Um, well, on mic, on mic. The cards will be off mic. The cards, will, yeah. So you're doing this, uh, and then you're you put it in, and then it's pivoting diagonally, uh huh, like that. And then your thumb drags it so it's perpendicular to the rest of the cards. 
Uh-huh. So it looks like that. Pretty much. And then you spread through the cards, and we're basically just pulling it from that spot and dro- taking it to the bottom. Oh. Yeah. Which this is probably Tomary's perpendicular control. Because that card is perpendicular to the rest of the deck. Okay. Stuff like that. This is very good radio. Yeah, this so, is awful content. Uh, <laughs> well, people go look it up. Uh, since uh, since Sonata, I believe it's where it's published. Uh, how often do you use a diagonal palm shift? Not super often. I'm not great at them, and I think they're kind of angle sensitive. Uh-huh. But they're when done well, they look pretty good. The uh, magic bar. Um, do you worry about angles there? A little bit, just because people are it's so, very wide. It's so wide. Yeah, yeah. So you have a lot of people. Pretty far to the left. I, w- and right. I was all the way to the left. I didn't see anything. Cool. Um, I, I don't know how much stuff you guys were doing that was angled. My stuff isn't very angled, especially the stuff I did last night. For the nine o'clock, I did cups and balls, uh-huh. and that has some more angles to it. What did you do that in place of? Uh, the math thing. The oh, math okay. thing. This is a little bit shorter, and yeah, I didn't want to worry about getting all four of those people up from the bar. Right. Um, and then I put, uh, and then I put another thing in. I put in the uh, sandwich uh, trick. You put in your bird act. Yes. In the middle. <laughs> right, right. I um, blasted music. I went, okay, now give me eight minutes to go change into this tux. Yes. Very inconspicuously. Don't look at the cage. Don't look at that cage. <laughs> uh, and then how many more weeks are you doing Magic Bar? Uh, the next two weeks in a row. I'll yeah, be doing okay. the uh, 19th and 26th of February with Kayla Drescher and Jonathan Levitt. Cool. Are tickets available? I don't think so, but um, see if they are. How often, though, are there no-shows? Like someone gets a ticket and they, I feel like every every event in the world there's always. I have no idea. People that don't show. I have no idea because the, the the people in the actual bar are the ones that kind of check that and bring people in. I mean, there were some empty seats last night for that nine o'clock. Oh, w- so would you have called the seven o'clock sold out? Yes. Okay, because there was one seat next to me that was open. Well, I, I also because I mean I had you coming. Yeah. Uh, you know, there were and like basically, I basically texted Ben. I said, "Hey, my parents want to come. Is there any chance I can squeeze them in?" Yeah, and I he kind of like hard no. Yeah, so then I went, "Well, he's not going to be here." So, yeah. <laughs> um, um, by the way, we have so asked- I added in a couple chairs. Oh, okay. kind of pushed it, but we try not to do that. Yeah, it seemed fine. It's just kind of like in case of some you know emergency or whatever. We, um, uh, your mother complimented me on the podcast. Okay, I believe that she listens to it. She listens. She's she's behind, but she listens to it. So uh, we have requested that uh, your father, who is a classical guitarist, mm-hmm. to uh, perform theme music for us. Right. Uh, which he has. He's clearly a very lazy man because uh, he hasn't gotten around to it. Right. I mean, and we have offered him a, an immense sum of money. Yeah. To do that, a king's ransom. Yeah. Uh, of, however, um, your mother last night was like. Do you want violin on it as well? Of course she did. Oh my god! And I was God, like, sure, why not? Did. No, what have you done? <laughs> I don't. I mean, the music you play for me could have a violin melody line <laughs> over it. Why not? That's very my mom. Oh really? <laughs> yes. Uh, last like last night between shows, I have like a couple very specific tasks I have to do, and my mom was just like, "Oh, well, I'll help." I'm like, "No, mom, I need you to get out." <laughs> She's like, "No, no, no. Let me just let me just put some dish. I got it." I'm like, "Mom, I need you to not touch anything, and I need you to leave this room now." <laughs> um, She's like four episodes behind. I'm gonna get chewed out for saying that in about a month. Oh, it's funny because there's only. Like five episodes. <laughs> this will be six. This six. will be six. So she's yeah, she's a little behind. Um, it's funny because I talked to her the other day about it, and she's like, "It's really good." She goes, "I think I'm one episode behind." H- how many are there? I went five. She's, okay, I think I'm three episodes behind. <laughs> and I listened to two. Well, maybe does she drive a lot? She does, but she doesn't have like a Bluetooth or an aux cord, so I'm pretty sure she's just 
putting playing it off her phone <laughs> and just putting that in her cup holder. Wait, her car doesn't have Bluetooth or no. an auxiliary input? She doesn't have an auxiliary input. Is how old is this car? Uh, it's a Honda S two thousand. It's like a sports car. Oh, did it's it like come out in two thousand? I don't know. We're getting into a realm of area I don't know, which uh, is any area outside of magic. <laughs> outside of magic, anything that is not about like anything that's not about magic. Yeah, music, uh, contemporary musical theater, or movies nominated for Oscars. Well, I will say that uh, people in uh, L.A. are pretty good at keeping up with podcasts in general because of the amount of driving time that there is. Right. Um, like I said, I'm pretty sure this is the first and only podcast my mom listens to. Oh, well, we're honored to have her as a listener and future theme music provider. I had to subscribe for her and also make sure she rated those five stars. You it was weird. You had to put the headphones into her ears and press play. Right. And then you had to like basically stand there and lip sync to all of your parts of it. Exactly. Yeah. And I listened to this enough back that I yeah. can do that. Uh, I will say that I don't always, I tend to do more spot checking of podcasts to make sure that audio is correct. Then I do full listen backs. Sure. I don't know how, I don't know if you listen to the entire episodes back or not. I have been just because since I am new to this and this is what your third podcast. Yes. And I've been podcasting for like a long time. Right. Is that I'm also just kind of listening for vocal takes about myself. Yeah. And that's and kind of a, a bigger thing about what i Well, I'm surprisingly, doing. so when I listen, I did listen back to my interview on Taylor's podcast, which mm-hmm. you, you don't want us to mention. Um, and, I'm sorry, who? <laughs> and listening to that, I was like, "Oh, I Taylor who who's well the oh that was that was terrible. Taylor Hugh. Uh, I woke up very early this morning um, and got a notice about the, that episode going up, and I was going to post it on Facebook. And I was like, "I'm sure I'm Taylor's friend on Facebook." And I typed in Taylor Hicks into my Facebook search. Do you know who Taylor Hicks is? I do not. Uh, like, maybe he was like came in like second or third on American Idol. Okay, um, no, I don't. In know. like season three or four or something. Another. Like that. And I was like, Chris name drop. I was like, there's a Taylor Hicks official. I was like, why? Taylor's really like, Oh yes. Bill Hicks son. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Um, but listening back to that interview, I was like, Oh, I do. I still have verbal for as many podcasts as I've done. And as much like professional work that I've done, having to listen back to myself or watch myself, I have an embarrassing amount still of verbal text. Um, especially that just that I say the word like way too much. So do I, um, how did you think the audience perceived, like, what was your, I just said like, oh boy, here we go. Perceived the... How do you think the audience perceived the show last night? Well, what did that seem like to you? Because obviously we're kind of in, you know... I think they liked it. But I, I sometimes, I'm not, I, I think they it was a good show. They bowled over by the, I mean, I think the blindfold trick hits really hard. It really does. Um, interestingly, I thought, like, I was probably... The reason I ask is because it's hard, I think, to judge your audience's perspective and how they're in really appreciating a show while also trying to be very engaged in that show. Oh, for and, sure. And so I was curious if, if there was maybe something you noticed or took away from watching that crowd, how they perceived it. Well, also in that venue, I can kind of only see my half of the rooms. That's true. Response. Because it is so wide, it's kind of hard to see. There were two or four people, people right in front of me that seemed to love the show. Okay. Seemed to love your part of it, especially right, right. <laughs> your parents. Yes, those are my parents. Um, I was going to say that it is, it's hard in any performance uh, medium to sort of keep track of what's happening with the audience. In comedy, it's, especially in improv, it's actually kind of imperative because sometimes the audience kind of shows you where they want you to go. Right. Um, also, when I have studied clowning, clowning is actually very audience dependent. Um, oh, yeah. There's um, a whole school of clowning that is 
you you try to do something dumb to make the audience laugh and from that point on the audience is kind of the boss as to what you do so if if you make them laugh with something you do more of that thing until they stop laughing mm-hmm. and then so um i was thinking about in magic it's a little harder because it feels a little more constricted in terms of um expectations on the audience of how they're supposed to react like in comedy Okay, generally you're not supposed to heckle back in in the U.S. By the way, if you do stand up in the U.K., they talk back to you regularly, oh like boy. like continuously. I saw Tig Notaro uh, at the Edinburgh Fringe like three years ago, and she handled it amazingly. But people stand up like people will have conversations back with you through the whole thing, and it's not looked down upon. It's not something that they ever call security on. They, they're like the stand ups are supposed to handle it. Wow, um, it's very different than the U.S. Um, so. But other than that, like in comedy, you basically just laugh or you don't. Mm-hmm. In magic, I feel like it's a little more complicated about, as you referred to in one of your your pieces, like there isn't necessarily a standard response to magic tricks. Right. Um, that was inspired by a Pete Holmes comedy bit. Oh. Uh, if you look up Pete Holmes's, if you just type in Pete Holmes magic, there'll be a video of him on Conan where that's, and that was what inspired that bit as he talks about that there's no, there's no like, and that's where I basically lifted that line of with comedy, if it's good, it makes you laugh. Magic does not have that. And he starts pitching ways that what it would be like if we had, you know, instinctive reactions to magic. Yeah. I think that one thing that complicates it a little bit is that if I see a stand-up comic, I either laugh or I don't. And I don't have, especially once they're beyond like an open mic level, I don't have um, a lot in my mind about, what does this stand up? How do they want me to respond to them? Mm-hmm. Am I sort of participating correctly with this stand up's tone? Uh, am I hurting their feelings if I don't laugh the correct way? Right. Whereas that's not true in magic. There's a lot of acts where, like, if I went in and it was like, holy shit, that's fucking amazing. Like, the magician, there's certain magicians that'd be like, that is not what I'm going for at all. <laughs> I know? think magicians tend to be kind of fragile when it comes to things like that. Yeah. Uh, I think, But I think that the audience can feel that fragility. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Which I think makes it harder than if you're a magician trying to measure your audience response. It gets complicated by all these workings of like, I'm not just a normal person that just react however I want to. I feel a lot of pressure in, in almost every magic act I see about like, what am I supposed to be doing here? And... You know, probably the best, you know, probably when you move beyond that is when it's. That's very interesting. And I think any of our listeners that are performing magic, it really is important for them to hear that because I think I don't have that feeling the way you're discussing it or describing it because I'm so versed in it. I kind of know what I should be doing. I I can, I'm very good at picking up a performer's intentions. I know when a moment is ended, I know without them really having to tell me, I know when the applause cues and the applause breaks are. Right. So it's, it's, so it's very I easy don't. for me to pick up, which is very interesting, actually. And then you wonder how many audience members like, are in even deeper. Same. Yeah. Because you uh, well, you're, you're very versed, well-versed in magic. Yes. You have been for a couple of years. Very flattered every time last night Robert would kind of point at me when he'd be like, people in magic, and he'd say, like, wave at me. I'm like, right. oh, he's talking about me. Right. I bought a. I bought. I a, just pointed. You said and Asians. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, uh, because and also there are moments where sometimes, and I, I, I'm quite sure that audiences feel this. Uh, sometimes audience members will be like, 
oh, is that the end of that? Or right. uh, was that right? That is certainly a thing in magic is making sure that your, and I don't think stand-up quite has this, making sure that your like applause cues are very pronounced so that yeah. the audience kind of knows when it's done. And that's why you have so many of those forced like, thank you very much. Because yeah. that is that is an applause cue that tells you, oh, we're done. We can clap now. Yeah. Or you're, or if you're like, you know, here's a little thing I call the Minnesota Shuffle, and, and that's the Minnesota Shuffle. The Thank Minnesota you very much. Shuffle. Yeah, you kind of like put a cap on it. Right. Um, I was you were asking me um, also about last night's show. The inter- one thing that I thought was interesting was um, there were a couple pieces that Robert did that I the I would say the one that. Out of his pieces, which all got a good response, but out of his pieces that got the least response was the one that I was the most like, oh, that's really cool. What uh, was that? The that coins? was the the matrixy stuff. Oh, sure, yeah, uh, the matrix were uh, which I would just, and it was almost like, um, you know, and I have no idea what Robert's going for in there. I was almost like so, I was almost so stunned that I was just like, oh. I'm not having a big laugh response to this moment. I just thought that was really cool, <laughs> you know? Um, but then I don't know how a magician would read that in the moment. Cause I, how do you read like, well, they thought it was really cool. Um, you know, right. That is a strange <laughs> moment. This is something that I trained myself to kind of feel as over- opposed to just like silence. <laughs> right. Well, it's, it's, I've done a lot of shows that were dead quiet yeah. and there was not a lot of, applause there was not a lot of audible reactions yeah and of course when that happens you're on stage thinking to yourself oh i'm tanking this is terrible yeah but you have to keep the energy up you have to just do the show and then when it was over i'm getting these incredible yeah. compliments from that was amazing i right. know you, you did that that was you know that was so impressive and, and then you were like it was weird when you guys held your thumbs down at right me. yeah yeah those that rotten what did you bring that fruit here to throw <laughs> yeah. at me why would you plan on doing that yeah you seemed like you really wanted to do that. Huh. And but it took me a while to understand that because there's not an instinctual response and because maybe they don't know what they're doing, a somewhat quiet audience did not necessarily equate to a bad show yeah. in magic. I mean, uh, it might also be that magic is uh so, okay, it's all live theater. And really comedy, stand-up comedy, improv and all that stuff is still theater in a way because it's a live performance. And we've just sort of um, sectioned it off to be like it's a it's a part of theater where the standard response is to laugh. Whereas magic is sort of sometimes comedy but also sometimes drama. Right. And, you know, there's plenty of times if you're in a straight play that you're not expecting to get like an audible response from the, the audience every single moment of like an Edward Albee play or something right. like that. Um, so there might be moments where you're sort of moving from one genre to the next. Cause like not every moment of every part of your act is meant to be funny. Right. And then when those sort of nuanced ideas do take form in a magic act, again, you're dealing with an audience that famously has very little experience watching this type of art. Yeah. So you're, you're trying to make these very nuanced theatrical and dramatic decisions to an audience that has never, you know, has seen David Copperfield on TV or has watched, you know, David Blaine freeze himself on a block of ice. Yeah. By the way, 
so many magicians I've heard talk about seeing David Copperfield on TV as right. kids, and that's why they want to be magicians. And I remember seeing those things and and thinking this looks awful. Well, I I didn't have that reaction, but the one thing that I remembered from him doing, Robert did last night. Oh, the pencil. <laughs> yeah, like that's like that's the only thing I ever remember. Robert uh, mm-hmm. David Robert Copperfield. Robert Copperfield. Uh, we can say Little Bobby it, Copperfield. We can announce it here. Robert is actually David Copperfield's yeah. son. Yeah. Um. No, like that's the only thing I remember from those. That's TV why shows. Robert has so much money is because it's all child support for David Copperfield. <laughs> yeah. They yeah. just give it right to the child, which yeah. is, uh, I think in California is a little problematic, but, yeah. but I mean, Robert owns a lot of magic gear because of it. Right. Um, by the way, I think Robert is going to Blackpool. Yes. Today, Robert is going to uh, Robert Ramirez. He'll be lecturing in Blackpool. He'll be lecturing and performing in the close-up show and yeah. one of the gala shows at Blackpool. Yes. And we're going to have him on after when he gets back, hopefully to discuss his experience and also to discuss other, there's a couple debates he and I have had about, magic that i would love to have on air <laughs> and we'll we'll put up like an online poll and yeah have people vote well it's not uh, even like uh, i just there's when something we've talked about is like i don't really know what a magician is necessarily yes and like what constitutes a magician yes. and he and i had this discussion many times i don't think we agree for the most part but we kind of go back and forth a lot just well, in terms of like i'll, I'll give some context for, for people listening and then hopefully we'll get into this deeper when, when Robert's here. And I think you also have a good perspective on this, is that there is so much good magic that can be bought and doesn't require lots of skill or right. experience to do- be done I mean, some well. of it breaks within 20 minutes of right. handling, but, you know. But that is a good example of something that does not take a lot of skill to be able to do particularly well. It's pretty easy and kind of works on its own. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not even a trick. It's, right. Yeah. And that can be used to create a trick. But I'm saying there's a lot of good magic out there. That, that is, yeah. That, that, is, that can be done. That is a very strong effect that a lot of professionals use that require no skill. So I think if you were to – I've been doing magic for ten and a half years. I, I've been studying it very, very diligently for, for all that time. And I, I like to think I know it pretty fairly well. Of course, there's, you know, vast, vast, vast amounts of magic that I do not know. But if you were to take – if I were to maybe do ten minutes with – magic that, that like they use a sleight of hand or a lot of techniques that i've accrued over the years and then you were to take maybe a good improviser yeah. like a best improviser off you know from from you like name an improviser that you think is really well talented. your favorite improviser Who's dave, my, dave tooney oh that's what we talk about yeah because dave tooney is so fucking good yeah it's weird that when people say who's your favorite you don't say chris grace who yeah it's strange. your third yeah <laughs> because dave tooney mary holland you okay that's uh, not bad that's good company um i'm the the I want to get her on this podcast. I'm the highest non-white improviser. That is true. Yeah, um, but well, like, well, you know magic, so you kind of break the sample. But I'm saying if you took Dave Tooney, because we we've seen Bangarang a couple times. Bangarang is a Friday night show at UCB yeah. uh, that Dave Tooney is in. He's great, and uh, so we've talked about this before and after those shows. And Dave Tooney is always like killing it in these shows, so we always talk about him. And if, he, if you were to take him, give him a thousand dollars, send him to a magic shop. And go, great. <laughs> and then be like, where is he? He actually <laughs> left town. <laughs> right. You said it a magic He, he went to that cryotherapy place? Yeah. And yeah, he could put an act together. He could put an act together the next day because he's already a decently strong performer. And if you were to put it in, for, if you were to put both of us in front of an audience and said, which one's been doing magic for a decade and which one picked it up yesterday, I think there's a chance that an audience could not tell the difference. Whereas if you put he um, he and I on a stage and said one of them just started doing improv and one of them does it professionally, <laughs> right. the audience would be like, it's that one, <laughs> right? 
the same thing with a comedian has to be funny, a singer has to be good at singing, a dancer has to be able to do the moves. With magic, I'm like, what makes a magician? What? Yeah. What is the? You know what? And, and maybe am I different from Dave Tooney, or am I just Dave Tooney with just more steps in between? I, I really don't know. I bu- I bet that. Um, there's a certain amount of chops that you that would that people would unconsciously recognize that you have that he wouldn't. I I think so. Uh, you know, a friend it's, of mine once. Oh, go ahead. No, it just depends. Like you'd be doing very different kinds of tricks too, because the ones that you could buy that don't require technical skill, right, feel different than like your blindfold trick. That's that doesn't feel like something you can just buy. A, a close friend of mine once did say that. She's an actress, does never done magic, and she was saying that I was basically I was kind of talking to her about a similar thing, and she goes, "Well, I could never ever do magic," and I said, "What do you mean?" And she goes, "Way too lame," and then the conversation was over. Right? No. <laughs> <laughs> she goes, "It sucks." No, but she was basically saying, "I like, mean, I couldn't handle that hit to my reputation," is what she said. <laughs> right? <laughs> I would never. Uh, but what she was basically saying was the point she made is that there was like a rhythm. And a cadence to the way I was talking and carrying on an effect. And she goes, that is so unnatural to me. <laughs> Interesting. You know what I mean? She's not like, really compliment. I mean. Is it not? I mean. Not a compliment. She's like, the way you, you have to kind of like. Oh, mark- she meant it's not natural to her. Yes. <laughs> to, to <laughs> the way me- you phrase that, I was like, that is so unnatural. <laughs> <laughs> it just sounded like very strange. And she threw water in my face. Yeah. Uh, but she was basically saying like the, the way that you have to be acting, but also kind of be doing a real oh, thing yeah, yeah. that is honest. She goes, there's a rhythm to that. Oh, there's an that's... energy to that that I do not have. And that's a skill I don't possess. And she, and then I basically taught her a trick. And then she was like, wow. And she was kind of like, kind of trying to do the trick. And she kind of could not really get through it. And so I think maybe so far, maybe that is kind of my answer. Is oh, there's no, sort I of think a language to doing magic that maybe non-magicians don't that, have. That's what I would call chops. And, and, also, you, okay. and I would say that that is something that she um, just, <laughs> I mean, probably doesn't have the interest level to like build up those chops. Sure. Right. Um, but for sure, I think that is something that would be a huge difference because like, like we said in the magic bar show last night, there was like a little mishap at the top of the show. And, the fact that neither of you was particularly derailed by it, right. I think is chops because that, and I don't, I can't see inside your mind about how disappointed you were that that didn't go exactly the right way, but it, didn't it was just see- funny. That was a mistake that I did not make that it only affected me. Yeah. But it <laughs> so didn't that was, seem, so that was kind of why I was riffing about it oh. as, as, as a joke to be like, just so you know, but like when, when I have shown people tricks and something like that happens, I'm utterly like deflated and right. just like, ugh, forget it. <laughs> well, not to brag, but I've messed up a lot of magic. <laughs> well, I think that is that's something. There is something to that. Um, I was showing cast members like last week uh, some tricks, and one of them was the Robert Wilson, uh, uh, the Paul Wilson thing, the Paul Wilson thing with the four stacks. Oh, sure. Um, I think it's I think it's called C four um, or C three or something like that, and. Uh, there was a moment where I lost track of which pile was supposed to go to which person, and you kind of equivocate to get the right pile to the right person. Okay. Um, and I lost track, and then basically kind of fucked up the ending. Nice. But everybody ended up with the same card anyway, and they were all like, "That was amazing," and I was just like, "Ugh, that was horrible." <laughs> like, right. and and that was a thing where, which is another big issue in magic, is that. 
you know, when people don't have never seen magic before, if they see magic that we would all kind of agree is sort of mediocre, not very good, they they assume. <laughs> I it's mean, good. I, would, I would consider it mediocre when the trick doesn't end the way I said it would. <laughs> right. So wait, what happened? I'm not understanding what happened. Oh, it's just that like um, uh, one person has a card, and what happens is you they basically go through all these like or DRT's sort of style like mm-hmm. machinations and right. then nonsense. Yeah, and then their card is at the top, and the other three people all have found their way to the same the same oh, part in sure. the other suits. That's right, that's right. Um so they basically found their way to the same rank card in a different suit and then it was and then everyone had the same you know, they all had a two. But like the two of clubs, which was their card, somebody else had. Oh. And they're all just like, cool, we all got right. twos. And it was like, yeah, that's that's cool. Yep. Uh that's great. And there was another one where um uh there's there's, there's, well, let me ask you this: Did you know beforehand that they were not going to have their card? I was like, I wasn't sure. But did so? Did I you, knew that I had lost track of which pile was supposed to be which person. But did you know that the, all four pa- packets were still going to have twos on? Yes, top? I did. Well, see, and that's I think that's when you're. For for me, I can't speak for other people, but if I'm unsure about that, that's yeah. when I start scaling back. Oh, the expectations. Yeah, yeah. not the necessarily the expectations, but I I start changing the expectations a little bit right in in terms of like instead of in, if i if i if i think there's a legitimate chance that i said your card was going to be on top but now it's not you're great you name any card you know so we two it could have been three or four or five and i maybe yeah. stop saying the suit if i'm confident <laughs> you said you want two right and then it's two and then right you said uh you wanted a card with uh a number and a color on it <laughs> right I, I think, and then you pull up the one blank a, a, a one. card <laughs> a, a, a playing card you say <laughs> um actually another uh trick that i really enjoy doing uh and i don't know if you have tricks like this there's a trick that i really like doing where like they they select a card they pull it out they put it back in and then i do something to it but Mm -hmm. it damages the card right and so i kind of regret like often when i'm about to do that i'm like i like this deck i've seen him do it and he he cries a little bit afterwards so i had i did this thing to this card so i knew where it was but I had also done it to another card in the same <laughs> deck at some point. <laughs> and I kind of knew I had. Right. So then when we went through the process of what happens next, they make two piles. Um, and I impromptu was like, uh, let's switch these piles. Because I saw the thing. It's basically a crib. Um, and I saw what I thought was the wrong thing. So I was like, let's switch back. And what happened was I had messed myself up. And then their card happened to be at the bottom of the other pile. She turned it over. But basically, I took over a long counting thing of like, let's count out 10, 15 cards into these piles. And then she turned it over and her card was there. And she's like, awesome. And she thought that was the end of the trick, which it absolutely wasn't. And I was like, yep, that's what it is. (laughs) Like, we counted out these two piles for no reason. That is something you (laughs) definitely have with magic that you don't have elsewhere is... Because you're never going to announce the end the ending of a trick, yeah, or at least you're not supposed to. Because what, and is that a hedging thing, basically? No, like, I think it's just that magic. I think at its strongest involves surprise. Uh-huh. Uh, Josh J did this psychological study on magic, uh-huh. and what they what he found was that what people put as their favorite thing about magic is surprise. And when magic is surprising, it it is it tends to be better for for audiences. Yeah, the second favorite is when magic is done by a. a person on death row yes um who only has access to toothbrushes right <laughs> oh by the way i heard it we talked uh, i i had talked shit about that balance trick recently um and Did someone reached out to you about it no i heard an interview with him um about that trick 
because remember I was saying like I had watched it on like um, what's it Champions uh, uh, of Masters of Illusion Champions of of uh, Prestidigitation yes and I was like it's kind of weird like it just seems so obvious that they're gimmicked in some way and in this interview he said that when they shot that there's a whole first part of it where he hands all the objects that is out. true there is a first part of that trick where all those objects are examined yes. even together and then the trick is done. So that actually would totally change my perception of that trick. Sure. Um, so, so there's that. That's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I'm sure I had something else. What we can say it next week. But I was gonna say is as far as surprise goes, I think oh, yeah. part of it is just that if I start a trick with pick a card, I, if I as long as I don't, you know, I'm gonna find the card at some point in some way. Hopefully. Mm-hmm. However, you don't know what form that's going to take. So if the first thing I do is I go watch and you shuffle the cards and now look what's on top and I go, is that your card? And you go, no. I never told you that was going to be your card. Right. I could immediately just change and go, of course not. Why would you just shuffle them? How would it be on? And then now I can go, fuck, 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 you know. Right. And then you can change course. <laughs> I wouldn't vocalize that part. No, you have to vocalize that part. That's what makes it good. That's what um, makes it interesting. And they go, ooh, intrigue. Yeah. The... Uh... I would like to see a trick where it starts with like pick a card and then it just doesn't that never it's never that card never comes back. Right? Is uh, I, you know that the funny story that did happen to me once at the Magic Castle. Uh-huh. Uh, I I so I was doing that sandwich trick where somebody I talked about it on the last episode where someone has a I give someone a deck of cards to put in their pocket and later on and like a named card is caught in a sandwich in that deck yeah uh, in their pocket and so you you give it to them way early. And then maybe people forget about it. And at the very end, when you say it's going to be in another deck of cards, essentially, everybody realizes it's that one. And there's this really cool moment of surprise. Uh, I was running over and I was like, ooh, this, something happened and it added some time. I was, re- I can't remember what this, the, the problem was, but time, we were going a bit over on time. And I went, oh, I, I better just cut. I'm going to close with this thing and I'm going to cut out that sandwich trick. And so I did that. And then I cut the trick and then I finished the show. And that night I got home and I went, yeah, that guy definitely walked away with my deck of cards. <laughs> and is probably very confused. Because I gave it to him. I'm like, all right, don't forget about these. We are going to come back to them. Anyway, I did the, then I did the trick, finished the show, forgot that he had them. <laughs> I was like, I'm not going to do that trick. And then I forgot that he had them. Uh, and so an entire audience of people watched me give this man a deck of cards, put in his pocket. And then he, you know, he left. And then that night I went, well, I'm that's gone. <laughs> Those cards are gone. Yeah, so jerk style, you should show up at like his college 25th reunion right like and demand that cards you know do something with that deck of cards back assuming he still just carries them around with them maybe yeah with the chance that i'll pop out of a trash can and um uh, yeah actually in the paul wilson trick this is there's a part of that trick that i don't love but it's kind of it feels necessary and i do it because it's how i learned it from the video that i bought Mm -hmm. but there's a moment where you, people are making their own stacks of cards. They've all got like a little packet that they're working with. Yeah. And there's a moment where you have them all count how many cards they have. And it has no, from the audience's mind, has no relevance to anything else that happens in that trick afterwards. Right. Um, it's necessary for you to have them do that. But that's a part of the trick. Whenever I do it, I'm like, oh, I'm asking them to go. And then it's like, how many cards do you have? Seven, five, three, eight. Great. And then it never gets brought up again, has no, doesn't pay off in any way. Well, what if, and this is not a big fix, and let's maybe talk about how to fix it, I guess. Yeah. What if about maybe 
you could perhaps use that as a way of anteing up like how impossible this trick is. You all have a different number of cards. Oh. You all shuffled them. You know what? That's very. It's very likely that that's in the recap, <laughs> and I just completely missed it. I tend to gloss over, and I don't like the recap parts of tricks. Got it. Um, which are in. That is one of the uh, things I want to do eventually is have the recap be like really long, you know, like just remember that. So um, just to recap what has happened, um, you were born in Dayton, Ohio right. in 1978 <laughs> mm-hmm. and you, you were born like go through the whole thing. And I was born in Houston, Texas. And then uh, like yesterday I heard that I was supposed to be here at this uh, stand up club and that I might do a trick for somebody and like just take them through like a 20 minute long. Sure. And then you shuffled these cards, and then we all p- dealt out cards. You know, it's funny, as I wonder if that's like a comedy perspective, kind of making fun of the oh, recap. Yes, and, for and sure. Because I've certainly heard, because Pete Holmes, uh, someone who I am a big fan of, mm-hmm. ta- has, has mentioned that on his podcast quite a few times. He does love magic. He's uh-huh. famous for loving magic. However, he, on his podcast multiple times, he's kind of made fun of magicians. And he always says that like every magician has to remind you how impressive the trick is. Like, And, and you could have picked any card. A- anyone. <laughs> right. You shuffle the cards. And I, I definitely understand why magicians do it. I can certainly see why people make fun of it the way they do. But again, going back to that Tomara's idea of false solutions the idea is from you know right so, so that you don't so that you don't go the you don't think like oh well we probably just all had you know the exact same amount of cards and we had to do this this and this as a reminder of like you all had a different number of cards you all shuffled them you all did this you all did this as a way of making it more impressive for them on the off chance that they forget because it really is incredible how quickly you forget the process of a trick yeah what what actually happened before the magic happened is very easy to forget Often to the benefit of the magician. I think that's, you know, we're, yes. we're often trying to get you to remember it a certain way. I would say nine times out of ten when a non-magician describes to me a magic trick they saw. Right. When they try to go through it really step by step and I recognize the trick, I know that that's not what happened. And I know that, that where they forgot something. Right. It's also why when you read, like, apocryphal de- the descriptions of, like, you know, a legendary magician who did this certain thing. And you're like, that sounds insane that description like they're in the nate staniforth book there's a thing of like and he's a magician so he probably remembered it correctly but uh, he a memory of him going oh, to some in india no oh, oh the old magician the uh, like, magician's house and yeah, like, like he the looks flowers. out the window and there's flowers and yeah and that well that happens to magicians all the time because yeah. i i definitely have me very recently with uh uh i won't go into it but with um reed chang uh-huh. uh i remember very 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 clearly and I, an image I remembered from his act about something happening very, very, very visually. And when I had an opportunity to see the act again, it was very different from what I had imagined. And it was uh-huh. kind of crazy to me how... You remembered it a certain I remembered way. it a very specific way. Right. And it's not like he changed it. I could see... I could watch it. I could see the elements that I had re- thought I remembered together throughout the act. And yeah. I could, but it was not strung together the way I thought it was and I've been telling people it was and in fact <laughs> so people were like no oh, it's yeah. still good I mean it was yeah. it wasn't like bad it was just it was different I, and in fact before I'd ever seen that act shoot had described it to me because he had placed at like the FISM Asia the preliminary for FISM in um I think it was Korea last year uh, in 2017 at least and so shoot was there and he saw his act and that's the first time he'd ever heard of him seen him and he when he comes back to america and we're having dinner he's telling me about how incredible this guy's act is and again the one of the effects that shoot described is actually not how it happens oh. and that was another time where even 
you know, shoot, his his memory of it was wrong. And I think that is something very interesting about magic. Huh. And it's, I, it's interesting that it happens to magicians, too. Sure. I mean, I think it happens... Espe- well, especially, I think it has to happen with magic that you haven't seen before. Yeah. So much of what Reed Chang is doing in his act is unbelievably groundbreaking and new. And right. so much of it fools the absolute shit out of me. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, when I when I saw Derek Delgadio's show a second time, you didn't notice probably... You, you saw it, right? I saw it twice. Saw oh, yeah. It twice, yeah. Well, you might not have noticed, but at the end, he's actually just got a notebook with everyone's names and what yeah, occupations yeah. they picked. And I had forgotten that we signed in and said, hi, my name is John. And we, and and we had name tags on. Yeah. With the occupations. And then we held up the cards so he could read them. <laughs> yeah. Still great, though. Still oh, my great. God. Still very Still impressive. Still great. <laughs> but I think, yeah, that, that is certain when you, no matter who you are, when you're encountering magic that is really new to you. Right. And it's not like, um, if someone starts doing any card at any number... Or oil and water. You've got a framework already. Absolutely. It has to be something really new. If you understand the framework of how something works. Yeah. You know, I understand what most oil and waters look like. If you pull out four cards and four cards, I can tell if it's four or four. I can tell if there's a fifth card hidden in there under one of those piles. I, I know what those frameworks look like. Right. Even if this specific routining is maybe new to me. Right. Interesting. I, I think, uh, what, I'm trying to think of another example of that. Oh, well, like someone once... Went to the uh, Magic Castle. It was a non-magician. I think I'd helped them get them in. And they came and they said, well, well, one of the best tricks I saw was just at one of those green tables outside of one of the rooms. Mm-hmm. Going, Great, what happened? They get, they, he went, okay, all right, I signed a card, okay? All right, I signed the face of a card. I'm like, all right. <laughs> and then he goes, my daughter, she signed a different card, but she signed the back and I go, okay, I know where this is going. It's uh-huh. about to be an anniversary waltz. The cards are about to end up together. Uh-huh. He goes, he held them both, pressed them together in his hand, and they were one card. And the way he described it is if he held both cards out at the same time. And you were like, that's definitely not that's what happened. That's definitely not what <clears throat> happened. He's like, he, he held both of them in his hand. Right. We were looking at the back of one and the face of the other, something like that. Right. And then he just put them in his hand, and he pressed down on them, and it was one card, and we could inspect it. And then he tore it in half, to throw, each to have like half the card. And <laughs> right. I was like, I promise you i mean i didn't say that i was like <laughs> yeah, why would you debunk that person like, <laughs> i didn't say that but like in my head i was like i i you were just like you're a fool <laughs> <laughs> you're a stupid man you're a he was a, why are you a judge yeah. he's a judge <laughs> yeah i thought your job involved reason you know what i bet a lot of people that you said were guilty were not right <laughs> you're easily fooled i hope you do not sleep well tonight yeah um, I think we're good for this week. We're over an hour. Oh, okay. Uh, I will say that I posted on my Instagram last night that I, because uh, I bought a new deck, uh, Magic Apple, and now every time I have a new deck, I try to like pharaoh them back into them, you know, mm-hmm. as, and so I don't know if you saw on Instagram. I did see the spades I, looked good. I did the eight. The hearts and diamonds did not. I did eight and I was, you know, closer than I've ever been, I will say. Are you checking before you... Go through each step. Well, what I'm doing is, I mean, if I'll, I'll do a. I'll check now. the. So I checked uh, for the purposes of this. I've been checking that I have 26 in both halves. That's all I'm checking. Well, I'm saying it's easy to check. Oh, up. you mean if checking? Yeah. What's weird it's easy is easy to see. Like I can see the two spots I messed up on that. Ferris so wheel. I kind of and I'll take thought it back out. that I had successfully done it eight times. Got it. Like I did what you're saying, and I was like, "Don't see any gaps. Looks pretty good." Okay. Uh, and I was instead of breaking 26, I was just counting. I was one like I'm going to make sure I do 26. Sure. But still, that's the cl- that's closer than it's ever. Like I've done it before where I did it eight times, and it was as if I had just like shuffled it three times it, it was so completely random after eight so the fact that even the colors were like generally in the right spots mm-hmm. i was very happy about that's good um so that's you know 
That was my achievement for the week. Uh, do you have any shows coming up this week? Um, no, I do not. I have a bunch. Oh. I don't think this will be out in time, but tonight at Wednesday night, I'm doing a, I actually don't know what it's called, 1030 at the Clubhouse, a panel show, which okay. is like a British style faux game show like QI. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't matter. You won't get to see it. Tomorrow, though, uh, Thursday, I'll be at Magic to Do. Cool. Um, Valentine's Day show. Uh, I, we don't know what we're doing. Okay. Like, special for it. I don't think we are. Uh, Friday, I'm doing Baby Wants Candy at 730. It used to be Sunset. But uh, then at 9 o'clock, I'm doing Asian AF. Oh, cool. Which is the Asian comedy show. Are you doing Magic? No. I'm oh. performing with an all-Asian musical improv group. I almost... Uh, I, I was going to text you because you had pitched an idea to me about performing on that Asian AF show uh, uh, around Chinese New Year. Oh, yes, the that's right. The idea of a, like doing a bank night routine with those red envelopes that yes, people I, give out on Chinese New Year with money in them. Yes, I and got... I was, and then when of, Chinese New Year came and went, I was like, oh, I wonder if he did that. It's kind of still going. Chinese New Year goes for like... The Lunar Festival goes for like... I, I technically could if I wanted to, but I didn't get ready fast got enough. Because uh, I had two separate ideas that happened at the same time. One was to do a bank night with the red envelopes that Chinese people use. Right. And the other one was... To have the end of that, instead of be the end of it, be like money. I had two different ideas. One was to have it unfold into a gigantic Chinese character mm-hmm. of like wealth or whatever. Prosperity. Yeah. And then the other one was for, it's kind of not relevant to Chinese New Year, to have it un- unfold into a treasure map of the theater. Uh-huh. And then it would be have a point to someone's seat and under the seat would be like something. Got it. Under the seat it says... The treasure is friendship. Well, basically, I was trying to add newsflash to the end of a bank night. Oh, um, I see. So that the envelope like gets turned into something much bigger than you think it can be. Right. Um, so most of my ideas are just putting two different things together. Yeah, which is kind of how a lot of magic is created. You take two ideas, two old ideas, yeah. and you kind of put them together, and you kind of get the complementary benefits of both of them. Like one is you sign one side of a card, and then you sign the, the other side. And then it's two, okay. it's two physical cards. Two physical cards that you marry together held like, arms length apart yeah and they become one yeah um well cool we'll see you next week have okay. a good week and here we go oh outro right. outro oh i changed it to a different video that i was going to do a bit with was... now john's mom if you want to add violin to whatever's about to play yeah so your dad can play this i hope so <laughs> i would love it if we asked him to record play. he's like uh no i can't yeah, and then the violin's like. I don't know why we're not just recording an acapella theme song for this title. Of yeah, the I mean, I don't know why we're not just forming an acapella group. Yes. instead of doing magic. Yeah, fuck this podcast. <laughs> All right, we'll see you next week. See you next week.